Chapter Five of Polish Fairy Tales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Casper. Polish Fairy Tales by A. J. Glinski. Translated by Maud Ashurst Biggs. Chapter Five the good ferryman and the water nymphs there was once an old man very poor with three sons they lived chiefly by ferrying people over a river but he had had nothing but ill luck all his life and to crown all on the night he died there was a great storm and in it the crazed old ferry boat on which his sons depended for a living was sunk as they were lamenting both their father and their poverty an old man came by and learning the reason of their sorrow said never mind all will come right in time look there is your boat as good as new and there was a fine new ferry boat on the water in place of the old one and a number of people waiting to be ferried over the three brothers arranged to take turns with the boat and divide the fares they took they were, however, very different in disposition. The two elder brothers were greedy and avaricious, and would never take any one over the river without being handsomely paid for it. But the youngest brother took over poor people who had no money for nothing, and moreover frequently relieved their wants out of his own pocket. One day at sunset, when the eldest brother was at the ferry, the same old man who had visited them on the night their father died came and asked for a passage i have nothing to pay you with but this empty purse he said go and get something to put in it then first replied the ferryman and be off with you now next day it was the second brother's turn and the same old man came and offered his empty purse as his fare but he met with a like reply the third day it was the youngest brother's turn and when the old man arrived and asked to be ferried over for charity he answered yes get in old man and what is the fare asked the old man that depends upon whether you can pay or not was the reply but if you cannot it is all the same to me a good deed is never without its reward said the old man but in the meantime take this empty purse though it is very worn and looks worth nothing but if you shake it and say for his sake who gave it this purse i hold i wish may always be full of gold it will always afford you as much gold as you wish for the youngest brother came home and his brothers who were sitting over a good supper laughed at him because he had taken only a few copper coins that day and they told him he should have no supper. But when he began to shake his purse and scatter gold coins all about, they jumped up from the table and began picking them up eagerly. And as it was share and share alike, they all grew rich very quickly. The youngest brother made good use of his riches, for he gave away money freely to the poor. But the greedy elder brothers envied him the possession of the wonderful purse and contrived to steal it from him 
Then they left their old home, and the one bought a ship, laded it with all sorts of merchandise, for a trading voyage. But the ship ran upon a rock, and every one on board was drowned. The second brother was no more fortunate, for as he was travelling through a forest with an enormous treasure of precious stones in which he had laid out his wealth, to sell at a profit, he was waylaid by robbers, who murdered him and shared the spoil among them. The youngest brother, who remained at home, having lost his purse, became as poor as before. But he still did as formerly, took pay from passengers who could afford it, ferried over poor folks for nothing, and helped those who were poorer than himself so far as he could. One day the same old man with the long white beard came by. The ferryman welcomed him as an old friend, and while rowing him over the river told him all that had happened since he last saw him. "'Your brothers did very wrong, and they have paid for it,' said the old man. "'But you were in fault yourself. Still I will give you one more chance. Take this hook and line.' and whatever you catch, mind you hold fast, and not let it escape you, or you will bitterly repent it. The old man then disappeared, and the ferryman looked in wonder at his new fishing tackle, a diamond hook, a silver line, and a golden rod. All at once the hook sprang of itself into the water. The line lengthened out along the river current, and there came a strong pull upon it. The fisherman drew it in, and beheld a most lovely creature. Upwards from the waist a woman, but with a fish's tail. "'Good ferryman, let me go,' she said. "'Take your hook out of my hair. The sun is setting, and after sunset I can no longer be a water-nymph again.' But without answering, the ferryman only held her fast, and covered her over with his coat, to prevent her escaping. Then the sun set and she lost her fish-tail. Now, she said, I am yours, so let us go to the nearest church and get married. She was already dressed as a bride, with a myrtle garland on her head, in a white dress, with a rainbow-coloured girdle, and rich jewels in her hair and on her neck, and she held in her hand the wonderful purse that was always full of gold. They found the priest and all ready at the church, were married in a few minutes, and then came home to their wedding feast, to which all the neighbors were invited. They were royally entertained, and when they were about to leave, the bride shook the wonderful purse, and sent a shower of gold pieces flying among the guests. So they all went home very well pleased. The good ferryman and his marvelous wife lived most happily together. They never wanted for anything, and gave freely to all who came. He continued to ply his ferry-boat, but now he took all the passengers over for nothing, and gave each of them a piece of gold into the bargain. Now there was a king over that country, who a year ago had just succeeded to his elder brother. He had heard of the ferryman, who was so marvellously rich, and wishing to ascertain the truth of the story he had heard, came on purpose to see for himself. But when he saw the ferryman's beautiful young wife, he resolved to have her for himself, and determined to get rid of her husband somehow. At that time there was an eclipse of the sun, 
and the king sent for the ferryman and told him he must find out the cause of this eclipse or be put to death he came home in great distress to his wife but she replied never mind my dear i will tell you what to do and how to gratify the king's curiosity so she gave him a wonderful ball of thread which he was to throw before him and follow the thread as it kept unwinding towards the east he went on a long way over high mountains deep rivers and wide regions at last he came to a ruined city where a number of corpses were lying about unburied tainting the air with pestilence the good man was sorry to see this and took the pains to summon men from the neighboring cities and get the bodies properly buried he then resumed his journey he came at last to the ends of the earth here he found a magnificent golden palace with an amber roof and diamond doors and windows the ball of thread went straight into the palace and the ferryman found himself in a vast apartment where sat a very dignified old lady spinning from a golden distaff wretched man what are you here for she exclaimed when she saw him my son will come back presently and burn you up he explained to her how he had been forced to come out of sheer necessity well i must help you replied the old lady who was no less than the mother of the son because you did solve that good turn some days ago in burying the inhabitants of that town when they were killed by a dragon he journeys every day across the wide arch of heaven in a diamond car drawn by twelve gray horses with golden manes giving heat and light to the whole world he will soon be back here to rest for the night but here he comes hide yourself and take care to observe what follows so saying she changed her visitor into a ladybird and let him fly to the window then the neighing of the wonderful horses and the rattling of chariot wheels were heard and the bright sun himself presently came in and stretching himself upon a coral bed remarked to his mother i smell a human being here what nonsense you talk replied his mother how could any human being come here you know it is impossible the son as if he did not quite believe her began to peer anxiously about the room don't be so restless said the old lady but tell me why you suffered eclipse a month or two ago how could i help it answered the son when the dragon from the deep abyss attacked me and i had to fight him perhaps i should have been fighting with the monster till now if a wonderful mermaid had not come to help me when she began to sing and looked at the dragon with her beautiful eyes all his rage softened at once he was absorbed in gazing upon her beauty and i meanwhile burnt him to ashes and threw them into the sea the son then went to sleep and his mother again touched the ferryman with her spindle he then returned to his natural shape and slipped out of the palace following the ball of thread he reached home at last and next day went to the king and told him all but the king was so enchanted at the description of the beautiful sea maiden that he ordered the ferryman to go and bring her to him on pain of death he went home very sad to his wife 
but she told him she would manage this also. So saying, she gave him another ball of thread, to show him which way to go, and she also gave him a carriage-load of costly ladies' apparel and jewels and ornaments, told him what he was to do, and they took leave of one another. On the way the ferryman met a youth, riding on a fine grey horse, who asked, "'What have you got there, man?' "'A woman's wearing apparel, most costly and beautiful. He had several dresses, not simply one. "'I say, give me some of those, as a present for my intended, whom I am going to see. I can be of use to you, for I am the storm-wind. I will come, whenever you call upon me, thus.' Storm-wind, storm-wind, come with speed, help me in my sudden need. The ferryman gave him some of the most beautiful things he had, and the storm-wind passed. A little further on he met an old man, grey-haired, but strong and vigorous-looking, who also said, What have you got there? Women's garments, costly and beautiful. I am going to my daughter's wedding. She is to marry the storm-wind. Give me something as a wedding present for her, and I will be of use to you. I am the Frost. If you need me, call upon me, thus. Frost, I call thee, come with speed, help me in my sudden need. The ferryman let him take all he wanted, and went on. And now he came to the sea-coast. Here the ball of thread stopped, and would go no further. The ferryman waded up to his waist into the sea, and set up two high poles, with cross-bars between them, upon which he hung dresses of various colours, scarves and ribbons, gold chains and diamond earrings and pins, shoes and looking-glasses, and then hid himself, with his wonderful hook and line ready. As soon as the morning rose from the sea, there appeared far away on the smooth waters a silvery boat, in which stood a beautiful maiden, with a golden oar in one hand, while with the other she gathered together her long golden hair, all the while singing so beautifully to the rising sun, that if the ferryman had not quickly stopped his ears he would have fallen into a delicious reverie, and then asleep. She sailed along a long time in her silver boat, and round her leaped and played golden fishes with rainbow wings and diamond eyes. But all at once she perceived the rich clothes and ornaments hung up on the poles, and as she came nearer the ferryman called out, "'Storm-wind, storm-wind, come with speed, help me in my sudden need.' "'What do you want?' asked the storm-wind. The ferryman, without answering him, called out, Frost, I call thee, come with speed, help me in my sudden need. What do you want? asked the Frost. I want to capture the sea-maiden. Then the wind blew and blew, so that the silver boat was capsized, and the Frost breathed on the sea till it was frozen over. Then the ferryman rushed up to the sea-maiden, entangling his hook in her golden hair, lifted her on his horse, and rode off as swift as the wind after his wonderful ball of thread. She kept weeping and lamenting all the way, but as soon as they reached the ferryman's home, and saw his wife, all her sorrow changed into joy. She laughed with delight, and threw herself into her arms, and then it turned out that the two, 
were sisters. Next morning the ferryman went to court with both his wife and sister-in-law, and the king was so delighted with the beauty of the latter that he at once offered to marry her. But she could give him no answer till he had the self-playing guitar. So the king ordered the ferryman to procure him this wonderful guitar, or be put to death. His wife told him what to do, and gave him a handkerchief of hers, embroidered with gold, telling him to use this in case of need. Following the ball of thread, he came at last to a great lake, in the midst of which was a green island. He began to wonder how he was to get there, when he saw a boat approaching, in which was an old man with a long white beard, and he recognized him with delight as his former benefactor. "'How are you, ferryman?' he asked. "'Where are you going?' "'I am going wherever the ball of thread leads me, for I must fetch the self-playing guitar.' "'This guitar,' said the old man, "'belongs to Goldmore, the lord of that island. "'It is a difficult matter to have to do with him, "'but perhaps you may succeed. "'You have often ferried me over the water. "'I will ferry you now.' The old man pushed off, and they reached the island. On arriving, the ball of thread went straight into a palace, where Goldmore came out to meet the traveller, and asked him where he was going and what he wanted. He explained, "'I am come for the self-playing guitar.' "'I will only let you have it, on condition that you do not go to sleep for three days and three nights. And if you do, you will not only lose all chance of the self-playing guitar, but you must die. What could the poor man do but agree to this? So Goldmore conducted him to a great room and locked him in. The floor was strewn with sleepy grass, so he fell asleep directly. Next morning in came Goldmore, and on waking him up said, So you went to sleep. Very well, you shall die. And he touched a spring in the floor, and the unhappy ferryman fell down into an apartment beneath, where the walls were of looking-glass, and there were great heaps of gold and precious stones lying about. For three days and nights he lay there. He was fearfully hungry, and then it dawned upon him that he was to be starved to death. He called out and entreated in vain. Nobody answered, and though he had piles of gold and jewels about him, they could not purchase him a morsel of food. He sought in vain for any means of exit. There was a window of clearest crystal, but it was barred by a heavy iron grating. But the window looked into a garden, whence he could hear nightingales singing, doves cooing, and the murmur of a brook. But inside he saw only heaps of useless gold and jewels, and his own face, worn and haggard, reflected a thousand times. He could now only pray for a speedy death, and took out a little iron cross, which he had kept by him since his boyhood. But in doing so he also drew out the gold-embroidered handkerchief, given him by his wife, and which he had quite forgotten till now. Goldmore had been looking on, as he often did, from an opening in the ceiling, to enjoy the sight of his prisoner's sufferings. All at once he recognized the handkerchief, as belonging to his own sister, the ferryman's wife. 
he at once changed his treatment of his brother-in-law, as he had discovered him to be, took him out of the prison, led him to his own apartments, gave him food and drink, and the self-playing guitar into the bargain. Coming home, the ferryman met his wife halfway. The ball of thread came home alone, she explained, so I judged that some misfortune had befallen you, and I was coming to help you. He told her all his adventures, and they returned home together. The king was all eagerness to see and hear the self-playing guitar, so he ordered the ferryman, his wife, and her sister to come with it to the palace at once. Now the property of this self-playing guitar was such that wherever its music was heard, the sick became well, those who were sad, merry, ugly folks became handsome, sorceries were dissolved, and those who had been murdered rose from the dead and slew their murderers. So when the king, having been told the charm to set the guitar playing, said the words, all the court began to be merry and dance, except the king himself, for all at once the door opened, the music ceased, and the figure of the late king stood up in his shroud and said, I was the rightful possessor of the throne, and you, wicked brother, who caused me to be murdered, shall now reap your reward. So saying, he breathed upon him, and the king fell dead, on which the phantom vanished. But as soon as they recovered from their fright, all the nobility who were present acclaimed the ferryman as their king. The next day, after the burial of the late king, the beautiful sea-maiden, the beloved of the sun, went back to the sea, to float about in her silvery canoe in the company of the rainbow fishes, and to rejoice in the sunbeams. But the good ferryman and his wife lived happily ever after as king and queen, and they gave a grand ball to the nobility and to the people. The self-playing guitar furnished the music, the wonderful purse scattered gold all the time, and the king entertained all the guests right royally. End of chapter 5 The Good Ferryman and the Water Nymphs